Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the Stream Police Podcast for July 20th, 2015. Hello and welcome back once again to another edition of the Stream Police Podcast, the official podcast from OverdueReview.com, where we take a look online at the uh, movies, television, and music from yesterday, sometimes way, way yesterday, and uh, sometimes just literally from yesterday. So uh, welcome back to another edition of the show where we kind of take a look at some of the things that maybe you should be streaming um, through the various services that exist now, taking a look at the entire media wasteland out there, picking out the gems and uh, uh, maybe dispelling some rumors that uh, you should be watching certain shows that actually turn out to be piles of crap or ones that uh, maybe you, you thought belonged on the scrap heap but were things that you should actually check out. So shows, movies, music, whatever, um, we kind of take a look at a little bit of all of it right here on this bi-weekly show, The Stream Police. And uh, thank you once again for listening. If you are not subscribing, maybe if you're just going to the website and uh, checking it out every couple weeks, it's much easier. If you just go on iTunes and search in the podcast store, Uh, for Stream Police, and you'll find the show right there. You can subscribe to it, and every time we have a new episode, we will. uh, It will automatically be sent to your phone or your iPod or whatever it is that you listen to it on. So thank you very much for taking us along with you. I am Clint Davis, the movies and television uh, editor over at Overdue Review, and uh, we'll be hearing a little bit later from our buddy Andy Sedlak, who is our music editor at the uh, the website. Uh, A lot of good new stuff on the website, too, in the last couple weeks since we last spoke. Uh, Sedlak did a very good review of a gem of a Tom Petty album um, that uh, myself, I'm a big Petty fan, too. Not quite as big as Sedlak. He's one of the biggest Tom Petty fans I ever met. Um, but uh, even he didn't even really know about this album. And I know if you're going to sneak one by him, then it had to be something that was kind of uh, covered up. And who knew that Tom Petty did the soundtrack to a mid-'90s Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz romantic flick? Uh, I did not. And who knew that the album was actually a great one anyway? So uh, go on and check that out. I also did a couple of uh, uh, film reviews since last time we spoke. I, I took a look at Pet Cemetery, the Stephen King uh um, adaptation from the the late '80s, which actually it was just one of those examples of a misfire that I wish they would go back and and actually do a remake of. Um, and uh, also did a, a documentary called Radio Bikini, which I'll be talking about in just a little bit here on the show. We got a lot to get to today, though. I do want to start out by um, I, last week on the show I mentioned uh, I asked you guys to send me like ten channels if you could look at your TV guide. And look at all the channels that you have on your cable package or if you have cable or whatever. 
just to look at all those channels. And if you could pick 10 channels out that you really wanted to keep, that you could not live without. And I'm going to say, I got a, I got a handful of emails on this, and it seemed like everybody struggled to find 10. Because I, I had a hard time coming up with 10 good ones. Like, I was settled on eight that I felt like would be ones I would watch a lot. But it was hard to find two extra ones, and so I was kind of pulling them out of my ass. And it seemed like everybody was kind of doing that. So uh, the channels that I saw most often pop up on across all the list, everyone had HBO as a channel that they would want. Wise choice. Everyone had Showtime, another wise choice. Um, everyone had AMC, which I actually left off my list. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I, I did because Mad Men's gone. Um, and the shows that they've got right now, I'm just not into them. I, I, Better Call Saul is one that I have not uh, caught up on yet. So uh, maybe that would change my change my mind on it. But it's just not one of those essential networks to me anymore now that uh, Mad Men has taken a walk. Uh, you asked me two years ago, I definitely would have had AMC on the list. They show a lot of movies that I already own and I've seen a hundred times, and so I don't really need it. But um, like Turner Classic Movies is one that I definitely would want on my list. But everybody had HBO, Showtime, AMC. Um, a couple people had E. A couple people had uh, Sci-Fi and uh, TNT, the Turner Channel. Nobody had TBS, um, which was kind of surprising because I think a couple years ago that would have been a, a big one too. Uh, but yeah, so it was. It was. I think what we've come down to is that TV pretty much sucks as far as most of the channels go. I mean, it's not really about what channels you have anymore. It's about what shows you watch, and that is something that years ago you couldn't have imagined thinking of a, a thinking of a show without the network because you had to have the network to be able to watch the show. Now it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what channel it's on. As long as you know where to catch it streaming, and I think that's I think it's a beautiful thing. It's better for for all of us. So everybody had had a hard time coming up with ten channels, which is just really sad when you realize that there are um, you know over a hundred channels out there that are broadcasting twenty four uh, seven. All right, let me get my Stogie of the Week lit up here. I haven't done that yet. Uh, what do we have here? I got the Julie, uh, Julius Caesar going today. So a little high end. Hold on a second. Not bad. Very smooth. You can hear my dogs barking there. Um, yeah, so let, let's get rolling. Now we're, now we're officially ready to go. A lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, the Emmy nominations are out. Uh, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But first, I got to start with a movie that I caught last night just before I'm recording this show that some of you may have gone out to and some of you are maybe tepid uh, in going out to see. That would be Trainwreck, the latest from Judd Apatow. And uh, this time he has teamed up not with Seth Rogen, not with James Franco, uh, not with uh, not with the guy who uh, got naked and forgetting Sarah Marshall and um, none of his usual, not with Adam Sandler, none of his usual people, but with Amy Schumer, the it girl of 2015, the girl who has has really become the new voice of comedy taking that mantle, I feel like, from Louis C.K., who has held it down for uh, for a number of years, many years now. Um, and, and she's taking the ball and kind of run with it. Her show's doing great. She won a Peabody this year for her series on Comedy Central. And now here she is. She's written a movie that is no doubt going to make a lot of money um, and probably go down as one of the, the highest-grossing R-rated movies of this year. Watched it last night, and I got to say, this one started out with a lot of promise. It was It had a lot of laughs in it. At times it felt like they were trying a little bit hard. Maybe it felt like 
they were just trying to shove too many jokes into the scenes and it took me out of the movie. But it started out strong. It started out in the voice, I feel like, of Amy Schumer. But by the end of this thing, it divulged into this Judd Apatow, sappy, romantic, um, sentimentality fest that I felt like was something that they were kind of making fun of and taking shots at through the whole movie. My bottom line on Trainwreck is I was I, I, I was very uh, disappointed in how they ended this thing and what the movie turned into. Because, it, like I said, it turned into a typical Judd Apatow, feel good, the two characters have to get together. I just don't understand, and this is not going to be on Amy Schumer, because I'm going to say it right now. She is somebody who's still like kind of young in the business, and Apatow's a guy who's got a lot of power. He's arguably the most powerful comedy producer in Hollywood. I don't even think it's arguable. I think he is the most powerful uh, guy. I mean, what he says gets done. And Schumer is somebody who is is trying to make her name, and she's... I think she she did a nice job in writing this movie. She she wrote it. It's very it's very autobiographical. The character's even named Amy, um, and she's got a sister in the movie who shares the name of of her sister. And um, her dad in the movie's got MS, and her dad in real life's got MS. It's very like autobiographical. So you can tell it's it's coming from her voice, and it's got her signature style um, built into it, and what you've seen from her stand up, and what you've seen from her series. But then it turns into a Judd Apatow movie. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you've watched any of Apatow's movies, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I love the movie. But at the end, my God, I wanted to shoot myself. I mean, here's this movie that is so funny, so original. Um, it's, it's got characters that you really care about. And then at the end, they're standing in the middle of the road, kissing each other. They're, he's having a bicycle race, trying to chase this woman down the street to, uh, you know, he's going, driving through traffic. He, he blows his bike through like a billboard. Try, I mean, it just turns into like a, a joke by the end of the thing. And they're standing in the middle of the street kissing. And Knocked Up was the same way. Everything ends up fine at the end. And, I mean, his movies just always, invariably, everything at the end is rosy. Everyone's together. It's like he doesn't realize that you can have a movie that has romantic shades in it and is comedic. And the characters at the end end up single. I mean, it can happen. Woody Allen perfected this in the 1970s. He made some of the greatest comedic, romantic comedies of all time. They are romantic comedies. Annie Hall, Manhattan. These are romantic comedies. But at the end of the day, the guy is still single. He didn't end up, they didn't end up walking down the aisle. Everything was not hunky-dory. And it was it was a great film. And I got, you know, these characters were great. You cared about them. I mean, sure, you, you wanted to see... Um, you wanted to see them stay together, but it just didn't happen. And that's the way it goes in real life. And I feel like train wreck, I was with it all the way through. And then somewhere at the end, I'm watching Amy Schumer in a New York Knicks costume, dancing this big musical number, trying to prove to the guy played by Bill Hader that she's putting herself out there. And she's, she can, I mean, basically going against everything that you thought she, she was supposed to be. And turning into a traditional romantic comedy. So I feel like the movie really had a lot of promise. It's it's very funny. It's got some very good performances in it. And Amy Schumer is a good actress. I mean, this is what I'll come away with from this movie. I watched uh, Top 5 a couple months ago. This was the one that was written by Chris Rock, directed by Chris Rock. This was his great passion movie. And his he finally made a good movie. All right? Top five, I thought, was a huge disappointment. I did not like the film. I thought the characters were were just stiff. There was no development. Um, Chris Rock was could not act at all. He was just playing himself. 
He was just like doing a stand-up routine. I mean, he just was not acting. It was there was no acting involved. Amy Schumer in Trainwreck is acting. She's doing a performance. This is not – she's not playing Amy Schumer. She's playing – certainly she's reaching in and finding pain in herself. I mean, there, there are scenes where she could bring you to tears, um, certainly in one scene. And uh, she reaches down deep, and I think that is really the revelation of this movie. She's got a lot of talent, and I think she's proven that she's a, she's a good actress. Um, I did not feel like she was stiff, and I didn't bu- I, I did not buy her at all. So that's what I'll come away with from Trainwreck. I, I feel like Amy Schumer's got great – movie potential in her as long as she gets away from Judd Apatow you got to get away from him I mean he was a guy I was a big fan of years ago but anymore I just don't when I see his name on something especially if he's directing it I'm ready to just bury my head in the sand and not watch the thing because I mean he's fine as a producer but I just feel like as a director man he just cannot just let stuff sit he's it's just oh so yeah so train wreck I, I I came away with it pretty disappointed, but uh, I would still say comedy-wise, very funny, and Schumer was really good. And there are some good performances in it. Colin Quinn is very strong. Um, it's 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 good. It's it's a it's got a good it's a good comedian's you know comedy, but at the end it just turned into a joke of itself, and that's really where they tanked it. I think so. Uh, that's my take on Trainwreck. Uh, I'd love to know what you thought if you went and saw it. Um, but I, I think Schumer's going to do a great movie, but this was not it. This was not the great movie. I think she's got something better in her, and that's good. You don't want to start your career with uh, the greatest thing of all time because you can only go downhill from there. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement as far as her on-screen storytelling goes in a movie uh, format. I don't want – I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. You can go to your apartment. It's nicer than mine. No, look, my parents had a saying, don't go to bed angry. We're angry. Let's resolve this, okay? Your parents weren't that happy. They're very happy. Fine. You want to talk about it? You want to get into it? Yes. But let's get into all yes, of it right please. now. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I'll start. You go down on me too much. What? Yeah, it's selfish. No, it is actually selfish because, you no, you act, don't look like I'm crazy. You act like it's for me, but really it's just to show how great you are. Like you're always helping people. So I shouldn't go down on you as much? Don't try and spin this as a way to not go down on me as much. That's ridiculous. Of course I want you to go down on me that much. So take it down a notch? No, keep going down on me. Forget this whole part of the argument, okay? Forget that. All right, let's roll right along, and let's talk about a show that was on this week, that uh, um, an award show that is held every year that is is one of the most pointless three hours on television every year that it's on. I'm talking about the ESPYs. Um, The ESPYs are good for one thing. The ESPYs are very good for speeches for inspirational speeches that's something you don't get at like any other award show the one thing i would say every other award show can learn from the espies is they don't play their people off they let them talk they let them celebrate and they give out these lifetime achievement awards now if you know anything about the espies you got to know one thing jim valvano and Stuart scott those are the two the two names you need to know from the espies those two guys dying of cancer did speeches in different years at the ESPYs that have become legendary um, among like television audiences and in television history. Just two of the most passionate, intense. You watch them, they're haunting speeches now. Um, but that's what the ESPYs is really good for. They give an open platform to people to, to share passionate messages. And they had a couple moments like that this year. The big story out of the ESPYs this year was Caitlyn Jenner going out really in public on a big stage, accepting an award for courage, um, to some controversy, which I didn't get. I don't, I don't think there should have been any controversy. I think there's no question that Caitlyn Jenner is the most brave athlete of the year, I would say. Sure, there were people dying of cancer, and that is hard. But this thing that she was going through, 
I would say that nobody's really gone through it on that level and in front of that many people. And I think it takes uh, it takes a lot of bravery to go up and do that. So, Caitlyn Jenner's speech, very good, very great moment. That's something that we'll remember for a long time. But the rest of the show, just a complete. Uh, just a complete waste of time, really. Uh, the show was hosted by Joel McHale, and they moved it, by the way, to ABC this year. Usually the show's on ESPN. Um, they moved it to ABC, and they tripled their audience, not surprisingly, and it was a good move um, because it is one of those days where nothing's happening in the summer, and why not? You know, watch a, a bunch of good-looking athletes go up, dressed up, and uh, listen to them pontificate about their lives. So Joel McHale hosts it, and I felt like his attitude and his, like, the caustic vibe that he gives off it was just way off for this kind of show because the bottom line on the ESPYs, and I've watched it for many years, is that it's celebratory and it's feel good. The ESPYs is not like the MTV Movie Awards where you can have a host go up there and, and be edgy and rip on everybody in the crowd and, and just like tear them to shreds right in front of them. I mean, it's not that kind of show. It's a TV PG show, which is what it was rated, on the Disney Channel basically, on ABC. And these athletes are not interested in being taken down a peg. What they want to do is they want to be a movie star for a night. LeBron, Peyton Manning, the women from the World Cup soccer team, you know, all these NFL players, they want to feel like movie stars for a night. That's what this is. I worked in sports for many years, and I can tell you, anybody that's worked in sports knows this. Sports, as a world, is a fraternity, which is why the show should always be hosted, I feel like, by an athlete. I mean, really, I, I do feel like an athlete should host the show, and there are plenty of athletes that could do a good job hosting the show. LeBron James hosted it a couple times, I believe, and he, um, I know he hosted it once, and he did a, a fine job. It was funny, and I, I feel like that's the right kind of thing you should do. Um, just because it's awkward to watch a host go up there and rip these guys, and they don't take it very well. They're not really laughing. Like, if, if you listen to, like, here's a couple of jokes that Joel McHale told, and the, like, groans, basically, that were given out in the audience. It's been 22 years since a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. It's also been 22 years since Canada's own Justin Bieber was conceived. It's not a coincidence, Canada. It's not. Gronk is nominated in the category of best comeback, which he thinks is for that time he yelled, yeah, well, that's not what your mom said last night. Yes, you guys look great. You're all dressed up in the nice suits you usually wear to your depositions. That's great. So like I said, I feel like he's just a little bit too attitude heavy. Maybe, and, and I wouldn't call Joel McHale, like calling him edgy is an insult to guys like George Carlin and Bill Hicks. But I would say he's more edgy than what should be at the ESPYs. It was just, it was not, it didn't go down very well. I don't feel like him as a host. Um, so I feel like if you're going to not have an athlete, you should have a safe comedian, somebody like Seth Meyers, who's hosted the show a couple times. That's that's a that's a good guy to host it. Justin Timberlake, good guy to host the ESPYs. Everybody likes him. He's not going to ruffle any feathers. You know, get him up there. And, and you know, the thing with Mikhail's jokes is they weren't that good anyway. So I mean, nobody could really blame uh, nobody could really blame anybody for not laughing. But uh, Peyton Manning, you know, he goes up and accepts the first award of the night. Usually Peyton Manning's very funny. He's a guy I feel like could host the ESPYs. But he was so deathly serious in his acceptance speech that I feel like it got things off to just a bad, very serious, stick-up-your-ass vibe. Um, and during his speech, he sets up like at least three solid jokes I thought he was going to make because he, he points out something about Brett Favre, his young daughter sitting next to Brett Favre, and then he says he's quote-unquote honored to get the award from Kiefer Sutherland and Rachel McAdams. And I just felt like a joke was coming somewhere 
from a guy with the stature of Peyton Manning, but no jokes were made. It was disappointing. And the whole night was it was all right. But, I mean, it, it just – it had its couple feel-good moments. But as a show, overall, it's still just very boring and so self-serious. That's the worst thing. Um, uh, that, that's the worst thing about the ESPY. So they moved it to ABC so that everyone can can partake in the uh, misery of having to watch that show. But, yeah, I mean, a couple good moments. Hats off to Caitlyn Jenner, but, you know, other than that, it was it was – you know, pretty by the books night. All right, moving on. Let's talk about a show that uh, I, I happened to catch the other night that got me thinking about a lot of things on TV. Um, I'm talking about a show on CW on Monday night. It's called Penn and Teller Fool Us. And obviously, if you hear that title, you probably assume it's got something to do with magic and it's probably got something to do with comedy because Penn and Teller are really America's foremost magician comedians and uh, really a couple of very interesting entertainer guys. I mean, they've, they've kind of done a bit of everything. So Penn and Teller Fool Us is their new show on CW. It's a show where magicians come up on stage and the whole show is like shot on a Vegas, on the stage in Vegas where they do their show. I believe it's that stage. That's what it looks like anyways. It looks like you're in a, a theater in Vegas. There's a live audience there. There's Penn and Teller sitting in two chairs facing the stage. Magicians come up on stage, do a trick, like do their signature trick. And then they decide, Penn and Teller decide if they know, like, the secret of how the magic trick worked. And if they are fooled by the trick, then that magician gets to go on tour with them and, like, or open, I believe, be their opening act at one of their Vegas shows. So it's kind of a cool idea because it it brings magic back to TV. And I feel like magic on TV is something that does need to exist because it is kind of cool to see close-up magic on TV. The problem with this show is... We don't know if they really do know how the trick works because they don't give the secrets away, which I completely understand, but they don't give the secret away. So we have to just believe that they know and we want to know the secret. You know, when 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 Penn Jillette says, oh, yeah, we got this one figured out because we did this trick 25 years ago. We want to know, okay, well, how does it work? Because it was pretty cool. But, of course, they can't do that. So that, to me, there's an inherent flaw built into this show right from the start. And that's why I feel like it probably will not be around very long. Um, But, I mean, these two guys, they've been a staple of American entertainment for about 30 years. I mean, you think about the fact that their first TV special aired 30 years ago, 1985, on PBS. The first Penn and Teller magic television special aired in 1985 on PBS. How about that? Um, And they've worked some of the biggest theaters in the country and, uh, of course, on television as well. When I was watching Penn and Teller Fool Us, it got me thinking about a show that I enjoyed on Showtime that they used to do that started in 2003. And you may have watched this show as well. It was a show called Penn and Teller Bullshit. Uh, It ran for eight seasons on Showtime. It was one of the longest-running shows ever on Showtime. might be the longest-running on that network. But the series featured very little magic. It wasn't really about magic. It was instead... It's centered on Penn and Teller debunking commonly held beliefs and myths in American culture. The pair are well known for being very outspoken when it comes to uh, being atheists and being libertarians in, in their political views. And the show was like an interesting mix. It wasn't journalistic. Like they didn't take a scientific approach, a, a typically journalistic approach to being unbiased in presenting their opinions. They obviously had an agenda going into each episode, but it was very entertaining and it was a thought-provoking show nonetheless. So I always liked uh, the Penn and Teller bullshit show. Um, and if you never got to see Penn and Teller bullshit, uh, Showtime just launched their own app. Uh, which is now running, uh, I believe, for nine ninety nine a month. Uh, you get the first month free 
Um, and, and I've been checking it out. I've been going back and watching bullshit again. And it, it's, it is a funny show. It's still a good show. Um, definitely one to look up. If you're interested in, in catching a few episodes of it, um, if you take that first month um, free uh, you know trial period and you just want to watch a couple of certain episodes of it, my favorite ones, uh, they did one on the Bible. It's called The Bible Factor Fiction from Season 2 of Bullshit. And they just pick apart basically uh, the big stories out of the Bible and, and basically prove that they never happened. Exodus 21 verse 7 says it's okay to sell your daughter into slavery, not even in Nevada. Exodus 35 verse 2 clearly states that anyone working on the Sabbath should be put to death. You really got to feel good about enforcing that one? Oh, oh look at this. Uh, Corinthians 11:14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Okay, well, it's, it's right about that one. And continuing on, verse uh, 19 to 24 commands that a man should not go near a woman when she's on her period. You try asking the judge if she's on the rag before approaching the bench in traffic court. If you believe it's your God and your God is infallible, you can't throw out some of the rules just because you don't like them. Um, they did an episode on circumcision in the third season. They did a very good one on Mount Rushmore in the fifth season that just rips that place apart. And they did an episode on the war on porn in season six that was very good and, and thought-provoking as well. Uh, the series ran for eight seasons, and it ended in 2010. Um, and it was really an, a very original show, very interesting show. So that's uh, right now on the Showtime app, Penn and Teller Bullshit. And Penn and Teller Fool Us is on Monday nights on The CW if you're interested in that. All right, uh, let's go ahead and, and shoot it over to Andy real quick. He's going to give us some thoughts on uh, on tunes. I'm going to smoke this stogie and then come back and talk a little bit about the Emmy nominations. Just keep it brief on that. Got some Netflix recommendations and then what's coming into theaters uh, this week and my thoughts on those uh, early previews of those movies. Uh, so I'll be back uh, in just a little bit. Take it away, Andy. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, good to be with you. I want to start with a few words in defense of Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande, the 22-year-old pop star who's come under fire for licking donuts, smooching with a backup singer, saying she hates America, 
All this cut on a store security camera, and it really didn't matter if she was speaking out of hyperbole. Saying I hate America is akin to saying F my life. People really don't mean that. But she still said it, and context must be processed. Reaction does not. What surprised me, to be honest with you, were the headlines that this drew. Quickly termed Donut Gate, headlines were both bold and unrelenting. Time wrote an in-depth piece about the perils of a carefully marketed pop star in the age of security footage in always hungry websites like TMZ. Justin Bieber's people seemed to capitalize on it by uh, leaking a scoop that he reached out to her in support. Even Susan Sarandon, yes, Louise herself, tweeted in support of Ariana Grande. Sarandon said rather astutely that it was a non-story, obviously, though I'll say Ariana's non-apology apology really didn't help her out. I just wanted to make a video to apologize again for the whole donut fiasco and craziness um, because I feel like the apology that I posted, I was, I'm, I like kind of missed my opportunity to actually sincerely apologize and express how I was feeling because I was too busy preaching about my issues with the food industry, which is, like, not, I feel like, relative. I feel like I could have expressed myself in a different way. Still, though, let's not lose sight that news organizations sometimes cover debates more than they do news. And this is a talker that said, I don't know, I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm a fan, and I usually have no problem separating the art from the artist, the entertainer from the entertainment they provide. And I really don't care that she licks donuts or that she acts like a brat. She's 22. I thank God some of the things I did at 22 weren't caught on camera. You're probably glad too. What I like about Grande is that she's a unique vocalist. Her phrasings are amazing. I'm not even sure if she realizes it or not, uh, but it really doesn't matter. It's like when a great ball player can't explain how they slug a baseball so far. You just have to respect uh, what comes naturally. And Ariana is a natural vocalist. Now that I think about it, she's one of the few pop stars that can sing with both personality and character. She has range and touch. She seems to have respect from some of the top writers and producers in the business. I don't know what that says about artistry. But it sure says that we stand to be entertained for a while. I don't know. I just have no problem separating the entertainment from the entertainer. Within reason. Besides, her non-apology apology is hardly the worst of all time. This is Doug Layton and Tommy Charles reminding you that our fantastic Beatle boycott is still in effect. Don't you forget what the Beatles have said. Don't forget to take your Beatle records and your Beatle paraphernalia to any one of our 14 pickup points in Birmingham, Alabama, and turn them in this week if possible. Now, I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or God as a thing or whatever it is. Here's some good news. A Las Vegas coroner said there's no evidence B.B. King was poisoned before he died. God, I, I would hate for that to be attached to his legacy. Good news indeed. More good news. Neil Young, uh, pulling his music from internet streaming services. Why is this good news? Because music distribution, in my opinion, is changing fast. In the long run, I think it will benefit from a few prominent artists putting on the brakes. I really do. Otherwise, this thing is like a a runaway train. Helpless, helpless, 
In Young's case, he says the sound quality isn't good enough. Well, good for him. You know, good for him. Really, in the long run. Let's not let this thing devolve to a degree that we may regret in the future. And I hope they listen to him. I, I, I think he carries uh, I think he carries some influence. I think it, with the demise of the iPod, which now people, of course, Apple has it in the phones and has it everywhere else, so they really don't need that. Uh, but I think it's more that represents people kind of discovering that MP3s suck. Yeah. And uh, that there were, it was great to have thousands of songs, but the fact that you could only recognize them and couldn't hear them right, made right. it so you really weren't experiencing music. Here's some news on the gray. 50 Cent filed for bankruptcy. But here, here's some tough news. And, and this is one that I, I've... I came across recently and I wanted to get at uh, today. Tough, tough, tough news for country music, and this concerns women. New research concludes between 2008 and now, major labels introduced 31 women and 51 men to country radio. But listen to this. Just 32% of women scored a top 20 single. Meanwhile, 57% of men did. But the true... The true eyebrow raiser in the seven or so years, not one of the women introduced during that time frame who scored a top 20 single has been able to repeat. This shocked me. Just shocked me. But when I started thinking, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of any. How did the guys fare then on the other hand? In that same stretch, 75% of new male artists scored a second top 20 single. Now, you can use numbers to prove anything, really. I I truly understand that. But those numbers are serious. If you don't acknowledge them, you've got your head buried in the sand. How is business really run in Nashville? That research done by political economist Devarati Ghosh The story appeared on Billboard's website. That's where I saw it. The research was based off of Billboard chart standings. That's grim, ladies. I'm not in the minds of the folks who pull the strings in that town. I'm a long, long, long way off. And from where you're sitting, you probably are too. But it makes this whole bro country term seem like more than a fun-loving buzz phrase. (laughs) There's a a cringeworthy element to it. And I wonder what aspiring young country artists would say to that. Women, I mean. Would they be deterred? One must assume the tide will eventually go back out, but man. Email me with opinions. I'll read them uh, next time out. Agree, disagree, whatever. Would love to hear from you. Uh, You can email me at sedlakjournal, S-E-D, L-A-K, in the word journal, all squished together there at gmail.com. Fire something off, and we'll touch on it next time around. Does Nashville crystallize true country living or bureaucracy? Think about it. Keith Richards has a new uh, record coming out. The first single just released last week called Trouble.
This is going to be Keith's uh, first solo record since 92's Main Offender. You may remember... It was, I mean, it was a modest hit. You may remember a song called Eileen from that album. My father-in-law actually just brought it up the other day. But, but I'm excited for Keith's album. You know, I'm really into his slow jams. I'm really into his ballads where his voice just strains and it sounds glorious. Nobody uses limited vocal range like Keith Richards does, and that's why I love it. Seems things are in a lockdown. Nervous looks all around. Everyone is speaking in whispers. No one wants to make a sound. I'm losing my touch. Losing my touch. Losing. My touch, baby, way too much. Baby, get me out of here. It's all heart. It makes me feel like I can do it too. You just need heart. It's empowering. One final thought I want to leave you with. Nick Cave looks a lot like John Hyatt. Seriously, Google that. I'm out, guys. Peace. All right, thank you, Mr. Sedlak. Appreciate it very much. Always good to hear the music recommendations. And I don't know about you, but I always go pretty much like right onto Spotify and add those uh, onto my uh, onto my queue. It's just so so damn easy. And I got the Apple Music thing, and I'm doing the free preview on that, but I haven't used that at all. I'm still just I'm still using Spotify. So I think they kind of missed the boat because you know once you've already got all your playlists and stuff set up on one streaming app on RDO or Spotify. You don't want to have to go on and redo all those on a new app. So, you know, I mean, Spotify's been around for a couple years now. All right, let's move on. Uh, 2015 Emmy nominations were announced. The best in television, as they say. And uh, HBO crushed every other network. They had 126 separate nominations, did HBO. Um, The second closest was ABC, which had 42 nominations. So just think about that for a minute. 42 nominations for ABC. They were number two. HBO had 126 separate nominations. That was as many as the, all the networks combined. Um, I think it was actually more, a couple more than all three of uh, ABC. Well, actually, of ABC, NBC, and CBS, not including Fox. But of those three networks, the three old, old networks, HBO had more nominations than those three combined, which is absolutely stunning still, I feel like, to this day. Um, FX also did very well, 38 nominations for them. Comedy Central had 25, and AMC had 24. How about Comedy Central, man? 25 Emmy nominations for them. Key and Peele and uh, Inside Amy Schumer just picking up tons uh, of nods. Um, And Game of Thrones had the most of any show, 24 nominations for Game of Thrones alone, which was more than uh, many 
uh, many networks got uh, combined at American Horror Story Freak Show at 19 nominations. I enjoyed that season. Uh, it wasn't the best season of the show. I still feel like um, if you're if you're into American Horror Story, if you're not into American Horror Story, I guess if you're, you're wondering which se- season to watch of that, Coven is to me one of the best seasons of any TV show ever. It was flawless. That is what that show is capable of, and it was just it was perfect. Uh, every season's been pretty good, but Coven was very very good. The third season um, of American Horror Story. So I, I would s- certainly stream that season if you're looking for something maybe uh, this fall, especially to get get scared by. Um, all right, let's talk uh, real quick. As far as the nominations go, I just wanted to run down the Outstanding uh, Comedy and Drama Series. Outstanding Comedy Series, we had Louie, Modern Family, Parks and Rec, Silicon Valley, Transparent, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Veep. So basically what you've got there, two HBOs, uh, one from Amazon, one from Netflix, ABC, NBC, and FX. All right. What's missing glaringly from that is the Big Bang Theory. It's been up for it every year since it's been on the air. Jim Parsons has won his Best Leading Actor in a Comedy Series Emmy. He's won that more times than anyone else in that category, I believe, in the history of that category. And he was not nominated. So I feel like the Emmys are listening to people as far as, man, people felt felt like they were always nominating these shows that only old people watched. And, yeah, they missed out on series like Broad City um, and, and Jane the Virgin. But still, um, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's high time for the Emmys to adapt and change the kind of shows they're nominating. And it looks like they're doing that. Outstanding drama series, we've got uh, some of the usual suspects. Better Call Saul, which is, was its first season this year. Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones, Homeland, House of Cards, Mad Men, and Orange is the New Black. All uh, usual suspects. The big difference is Orange is the New Black moved from comedy to drama, as it should have. Um, anyways, I mean, that, that, is not, that is a drama at the end of the day. So uh, the Emmy nominations, you can check those out at emmys.com. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to a couple of Netflix recommendations for you. If you're looking for some things to add to your streaming queue, uh, just have a couple for you. Radio Bikini, I'm going to say first. I reviewed this. If you want to read my full thoughts on it, go to OverdueReview.com um, and just search Radio Bikini. This is a 1988 documentary that was part of the PBS American Experience series. Sounds very dry, and it is presented in a dry manner, but, man, what a powerful little movie. It's an hour long. So if you have an hour to spare, and let's be honest, you have an hour to spare, all right, instead of watching an episode of The Real Housewives of Shithead County, go ahead and turn on Radio Bikini and spend 55 minutes with this and learn something about your country that will shock you and move you and also make you laugh uh, in some places. Just a very well-made little film. So Radio Bikini, couldn't recommend more if you're looking for a documentary. And uh, if you're looking for a comedy Here's a movie I really couldn't recommend more. I mean, this would probably be a five-star for me if I rated it on OverdueReview.com. 1998's Bullworth, which starred Warren Beatty and, to me, the best work of his storied, very storied career. Um, and just t- one of the funniest movies of the 1990s, and it's still so relevant today. It's, it's, a, it's a political film. Uh, Bullworth is, is a guy played by Beatty. He's a, a politician, and he's, he's just pandering uh for uh for black votes at a certain point but then he realizes how fake that is and he tries to uh kind of embrace the black community in a more head-on way um and uh, in, in in the process he ends up tanking his his public image 
but his political career just takes off um, because of it. And it's just a, a good movie about honesty and um, it just it's political satire at its finest. And it actually maintains its humanity as well, which is something you don't see often in political satire. You think about uh, movies like Wag the Dog or Thank You for Smoking, very good political satires that really don't have any humanity. They're kind of just just built to rip on the system. This movie, though, really is about people. Um, and the, the movie's not just out to shred the system, but rather I feel like it shreds the stuffed shirts in politics and really is a thumbs up for the guys who are real people, which there are not many of them, especially in federal politics. So uh, Bullworth and Radio Bikini, two movies I would definitely recommend watching wholeheartedly. I give them, uh, I give them my, highest, uh, my highest recommendations. Here are some exciting coming attractions. All right, opening in theaters before the next time we talk here on the stream, Police, um, is... Uh, Southpaw, that's going to be out in theaters. It's a, a, a boxing flick starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, this one's directed by Antoine Fuqua, who did Training Day. That's his best work. And, I mean, what a great movie that was. Um, and, and I feel like something with Southpaw, when I first heard about it, I was excited. Because Gyllenhaal's been doing some great work uh, for the last couple of years. He's been just really on a hot streak of great performances. And it's a boxing fil- flick. And boxing, usually as a sport, for whatever reason, makes the best movies. Um, but to me, this one just from the trailers looks like it's trying way too hard uh, to move us and, and kind of inspire us. Uh, and that's that's just my taste. I don't know. I mean, it, it could end up being a great movie. But to me, it, I'm just I'm tepid on it right now. Uh, also, it's got uh, Rachel McAdams in it. And she's really do, she's doing the best work of her career. I feel like on True Detective, at least the most interesting work of her career um, on True Detective season two right now. So uh, it's it's coming at a good time for Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and for Rachel McAdams. Uh, but there's just something about the trailers for whatever reason that makes me lose my enthusiasm on what reads on paper like it'll be a good film. But, uh, you know, that's just a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, also opening in theaters is uh, Christopher Columbus's Pixels. Uh, Chris Columbus, as a director, has not done a great film really in 13 years. 2002's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was his last great one. He's just very hit or miss. I mean, this is the guy that did Mrs. Doubtfire. He did Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. He did the first two Harry Potter movies. Uh, I mean, Columbus has done great, great work. And he's a smart guy. But he's so, I mean, just some of his movies just have no soul. And they're just too special effects driven. And I feel like Pixels might be like this. But this one's kind of aimed more at adults than it is for kids. Um, so you never know what's going to happen. The fact that he's teaming with Adam Sandler, who's starring in it, makes it feel a little bit dangerous. Uh, but the special effects look cool, and the storyline's original and fun. It's it's like all these 80s video game characters are attacking Earth because aliens um, are, are using them as, like, that's the image they have of something that will scare us. And it's just, it's kind of a cool idea, and it'll make for a big special effects extravaganza. Uh, one more for you is Paper Towns. That one is opening uh, by next time we talk as well. Um, and this is the latest adaptation in the John Green canon, the uh, author who did The Fault in Our Stars and a couple other teen weepy books. Um, it's got unknown actors in it, and uh, including first-timer uh, Cara Delevingne, who's a, known more as being a model. Um, and we're going to see if uh, she's got any acting chops. I mean, will her acting prowess match the greatness of her eyebrows? That's the real question I'm wondering about with Paper Towns. Uh, the director of the movie, seriously, Jake Schreier, uh, he did 2012's Robot and Frank. That's his only other feature. And I gave that movie four stars 
on uh, OverdueReview.com a couple years ago when I reviewed it, um, and I felt like it was a good movie. He showed a lot of tenderness, a lot of simplicity in the way he directed it, and I think that bodes well for a movie that's a teen film. It's supposed to be more about like self-exploration than maybe some other ones. So we'll see if Paper Town's any good. I probably won't be catching it in theaters, but um, you know we'll find out if it's uh, if it's worth a damn. But those are three pretty big movies coming out by the next time we chat. All right, coming down the road uh, on OverdueReview.com, I'm going to post my summer movie power rankings. So I'll be ranking the movies as I see them throughout the summer. I've got eight under my belt so far since June, and uh, I will be ranking those uh, coming up uh, here shortly, and I'll be including uh, Trainwreck, which I just saw the other night, on that list. So look at OverdueReview.com for that. It's going to be similar to my my power rankings of the award season films last year, which I just kind of ranked them live as I saw them. So uh, go on there and, and make sure you check that out. Always urge you to go to the website and like us on Facebook, Overdue Review, and uh, also to follow us on Twitter at Overdue underscore Review. You can email me uh, movie requests or TV requests or any thoughts you have on the show or the website at theclintdavis at gmail.com. T-H-E, clintdavis at gmail.com. And then uh, Andy, you can reach him with music takes at uh, sedlakjournal at gmail.com, S-E-D-L-A-K, journal at gmail.com. Thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, I'm going to finish out my stogie in peace and uh, get off here. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Uh, Take it easy out there. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.